Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shots and even bigger payouts. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hello, and welcome back to the Puck and Roll podcast. Today, we have a special guest, and we'll focus the episode on the 2023 draft class and specifically a focus on the European players within it. Uh, today's guest is my fellow Dubber Prospect scout, uh, Jordan Harris, uh, who is not that Jordan Harris. So uh, we're, we're got to make that very clear as we are a bit of a Habs, pro- uh, a Habs podcast. Uh, this is not the Habs player, uh, Jordan Harris, but a scout. So Jordan, welcome on. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, actually, it's funny, Sebastian, when you messaged me, the first thing I thought was, man, what a what a letdown I'll be when people look on screen and say who is this guy this is not the guy i thought so um i'm glad that you you got that out of the way and i'm not the defenseman i'm uh i'm the 31 year old accountant so same thing i mean really (laughs) way cooler uh, in my opinion oh yeah of course yeah everybody dreams of being uh of being an accounting manager and not uh, an nhl player i know i mean what what more could you ask for as a child everyone dreams to to be an accountant rather than a hockey player. We, we all know this, especially in Canada, right? Of course. Um, and uh, just before we delve into the actual podcast, just a little side story that's kind of funny. Me and Jordan met last year at uh, the Ottawa 67's home opener against Kingston, which was my first ever live viewing of Shane Wright. And I, I sat there with a notebook 
just taking a bunch of notes, right? I was just getting into scouting right then. Like I, I was not affiliated with our prospects in any way. I was just there watching prospects for the fun of it. Uh, at that point, I wouldn't even have called myself a scout by any means. Uh, and during the second intermission, Jordan just asked me, like, are you, are, are you like elite prospects or dauber for, or, or something scouting? And I was like, nah, I was like, that's ridiculous. Of course not. And, uh, well, now we're both with Dauber just a year later. So, uh, yeah, pretty funny. It, it is really funny how that works out. And it's, it's, it, what's funny about it is that I saw you, like you were making copious amounts of notes on your, on your, uh, notepad. It was not an efficient method at all. Oh yeah. And you're scribbling stuff down and, and all that. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, well, there's no way you're with an NHL team because you look like you could have been drafted that year. Um, and, you know, and I figured, you know, <laughs> you thought you looked 18. So I figured that. I, mean, I, I was 19. You, you, you weren't far off. To be yeah, fair. exactly. And then, uh, but, but, you know, I, I do know that, uh, um, um, you know, a, a lot of the people at Dauber and, and Elite Prospects are in, are in university and, and college and stuff like that. So I, I looked at, you know, you're diligently taking notes and you're, you know, frantically scribbling things down. I said, oh, you know, like, are you, are you scouting? Are you, do you have a, do you have a publication? Do you, are you a Dauber Elite Prospects guy? You're like, oh no, I have a podcast though. And then it's funny. I actually, um, I really wanted to get into this because I had, I had done this a bit with football, um, several years back. And there's a lot of people who do it with football, but not as many people in Canada, obviously, doing NFL football. So I had kind of wanted to get into it in hockey. And then once I had met you at that game, I was like, oh, you told me your podcast. And I started, I, you know, I, I followed your podcast. I was scrolling through the, uh, I don't think at that time you guys had uh, your, your Twitter handles in the bio. So I'm scrolling through all the following and stuff like that. And I ended up creeping you up to figure out, okay, you're the guy. I talked to and then I was like I gotta reach out to this guy again to watch another game because you know I, I I want I'll hang out with anybody who likes prospects so yeah and then we went to a Peterborough Pete's game uh later on in the season well in Ottawa like uh six sevens versus uh Peterborough and it was the it, it was the Tooney beer night uh which yeah, was exactly. very fun you can't miss those yeah. games I mean this year they 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 have downgraded that to to 250 beers so that they have hiked up the price uh, but they've extended that that time to not just like last year was to puck drop and now it's yep. the end of the first. So that is oh, okay. honestly an overall win because yep, uh, you can sneak in an extra beer or two in there. Uh, in, a, in a year and a half, I'll come join you guys when I'm the only allowed to drink in Ontario. <laughs> you can't even <laughs> drink in Quebec yet, buddy. I don't know. Like three months. Back. What, one step at a time here. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I know you're on a podcast with uh, with two children and uh, a mustachioed man in Joshua. You know what's funny is I was thinking about bringing up. I know I'm kind of mowing the lawn a bit, but I was uh, I wanted to chat at some point about you know when whenever there's a really star prospect who plays for a team that historically hasn't been a good uh, hockey nation, and you know they eventually carry them to the World Juniors, and then it's like, hey, they're at the World Juniors, and then you don't really get to see much about this player because their team's getting caved in, and the shots are seventy to four, you know, against Canada. And I was going to say, well, do you got you guys all remember when uh, when Slovenia made the World Juniors and uh, Anze Kopitar, you know, led them? And then I was going to say, I don't think you guys were even. I was them. three. I was which three. Means I, which means I was one. Oh no, I was yeah. born. I was born in 2005. So you weren't born yet during that World Junior Championship? Uh, was it in September 2005 or was it in 
and like well, at, what, what, wait, Jordan, was it before he was drafted or after he was drafted? Uh, I can't remember. I'm gonna have to say after he was drafted. Because okay, let's go. So, I was alive. so you were a few months old, Aaron. So you were born after Sidney Crosby was drafted in the era uh, drafted into the NHL. I was born before Crosby, after two thousand four. Because wasn't oh, wait, Crosby? Wait, were you, were you 2005? Are, are you an 04 and 05? I'm an 05, but early 05. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. When you said September, I thought okay. I, I yeah, got, exactly. I was thinking September. And I was like, oh my god, were you born? Were you born after Carey Price was picked? Like, ha- yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm not a baby. There's a six month difference here. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, uh, in yeah. that case, in that yeah, case, you're way more mature than those guys. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, now I just feel girls. old. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was born the year after Yarmir Yager was drafted or made his debut, something like that. So I'm an You're old man compared here. to these two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the elder statesman of the podcast. Uh, but Jordan, I guess we'll get straight into it. Um, yeah. So for Dauber, you scout, you, you are like the, the dedicated Russian scout yeah. and a Europe crossover scout, correct? Correct, yeah. Let's stick with Russian players at first. We, we all know who the top Russian prospect in this draft class is, and we're not going to talk extensively on Mitchkov just because Everyone's talking about Mitchkov. Uh, For sure. Which Russian players have like surprised you the most in a pleasant way this uh, this season? Yeah, uh, Dmitry Simishev. Uh, so um, Dmitry Simishev, he he plays for uh, Lokomotiv Yaroslavl. Um, he's in the KHL. Um, he he started the season in the KHL with them, and um, when I was first looking for players, you know. You, you know, you're trying to look at players to scout and you're looking at, you know, some, some uh, preseason stuff and, you know, who, who made noise in the MHL the previous year and all the other stuff. And, and I looked at, see if there are any draft eligibles currently playing the KHL. This was like a week into the actual season. And I saw, you know, a big defenseman playing for uh locomotive. And I said, okay, well, it's, you know, six foot four, he's, he's t- 200 pounds, said, whether he's good or not, I'm going to have to know about it because chances are if he's that big and he's playing in a pro league that an NH, that NHL scouts are going to like this guy. And so I, I, I had a, my first viewing. I believe it was his first or second KHL game. And he was a seventh defenseman. And he, he, looked, he looked like a guy who was in the back of his head. If I make one wrong move, I'm being sent down to junior tomorrow. That's kind of what it looked like. I thought at first he was a slow skater. Uh, he, I thought he moved slow, um, you know, and it kind of tied in because, you know, I find smaller guys look faster maybe than they are sometimes and bigger guys might look a little slower. Um, yeah, and I wasn't impressed. And then I, I, I went back and I watched a game, I think 15 days later, it wasn't very long. And I'm seeing a guy who things had slowed down for him, like the, the speed of the game slowed down for him. Uh, he, he was moving much quicker. And I realized it wasn't that he's slow. He was just thinking slow in that first game. So he looked right at home in the next game I watched. And more and more, he is, instead of just making only the simple pass, he's really, um, like he's looking up ice. He's, he's, you know, carrying the puck out on the breakout. He's, he's not just, you know, making the, the little, you know, I don't know, 10 feet pass to his D partner. And, and then they're doing the rest. He's, he's making the stretch passes. He's jumping up in the rush at the times. Uh, he's, he's timing his pinch as well. 
and his compete's good and he's he's very good defensively it's um i really like that about his game and and one thing mm-hmm. i kind of learned over you know the years i think when i first started i would have loved a guy like um um uh, like I think about Bobby Brink and, you know, the jury's still out and whether he's going to be much, but I would have loved, even though he's small, slow, and, you know, his competes to average, I would have still loved him because I love the skill and everything. And I, I really was, a, you know, I think one of my blind spots was uh, guys who are big, who have good compete and can also move. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I, I watched more of him and I came to appreciate his game a lot. Um yeah, there aren't a lot of set like it's being six four two hundred when you're seventeen is 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 big, and a lot of guys aren't comfortable in their in their bodies yet, and a lot of players um, a don't play with the correct leverage um, when they're that big. They're thinking a few in this draft class alone from Russia, and also there's um, guys yeah like your coordination's off. Like you might have been six two six months ago, you know. Like these guys are are in their the time where they're growing a lot, and uh, yeah, I I really liked him, and the more and more I watched. Um, the 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 you know the better he was and he he's been sent down to uh the mhl for some games um um you know in there the only thing i have against uh, against him is he has one assist all year and that includes 13 games in the mhl and like that league's not that difficult he plays for a good team and he's way bigger than everybody else um i think he has more offense than what than one assist in 13 games in junior and no assists in 15 games uh as a seventh defenseman but I've watched him in junior. He's not great on the power play. Um, I probably wouldn't want him leading a power play. I think he is because he's just the best player on the team um, or one of them. Uh, but I like he skates well and all that stuff. I, I, I just don't see the, I, he just the offensive thought process isn't there with him yet. But there, you know, that in the NHL, um, if you're six four and you can skate above average for six four, and you're and you've got high compete and you can play defense, even if you add a little bit more of a layer of offense, you'll you'll go far. Um, I don't want to say Keandre Miller, but like you know, think of a guy who didn't have a ton of offense uh, in his draft year. I'm not not linking the two because they are different, but you know, I still don't think he has a ton of offense right now, but he's a great player. You know, maybe it's a bit of a down year of him and Truba right now, but he was excellent last year. So, um, yeah. Admittedly, I haven't, I haven't been able to watch the matchup yet, but I will before Sunday, before our job or meet, because I, I, I do want to just be familiar with the way he plays. Yeah. But from what you're describing, the player that comes to mind from, from last year's draft class with that type of description is also someone that Aaron would be very familiar with uh, in Lean Bichelle. Yes is, is, yes. is that in terms of like mobility, strength, skating while having limited offensive potential, but yeah. still like like an NHL scouts favorite type of player yeah. playing pro hockey? Yeah. But, no, but was, was was junior in Sweden last year. Or was he pro? He's, he was uh, pro. He was pro. So yeah. He was yeah, pro. Michelle he was pro. Lexan, yeah. yeah. And, I am not a fan of his, but I know you're not. I no. am. But uh, but what I think what I think that uh, Simashev uh, is I think he's more controlled and I think he's a, I think he moves better than Bichel. Uh He's mean enough, but Bichel was like he's that's a ultra mean, mean. Man. yeah. Like, and, and, and the big the big thing with with, uh, with Bichel is that one tendency he had especially early on in his draft year he he ironed it out a little bit uh, the like the the further like the closer we got to the draft. 
was his decision making in transition. Like he 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 like under pressure, he'd often like ice the puck or something like classic yeah. Ben Sherrod hockey, which yeah. everyone here is now very familiar with. Yes, I'm a Red Wings fan. The for those of you who don't know, so I I have Ben Sherrod on my team right now, which is uh, well, I'm well, sorry. Well, yes, I think we can all uh, we all have some compassion with that. For sure, but, the my Mort Sider hasn't had as good of a season this year, and it, part of it's who he's playing with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, interesting, and I also like that they brought up uh, physical leverage, uh, like like leverage being a key component of physical play. Because for me, like, increasingly, the more the more I'm, I'm scanning, the more I'm watching, the bigger, the, the more importance I'm according to leveraging and, and and how that that plays into physical play. So some players are really big. But when you say, oh, it's a big player who plays small, it's kind of a very abstract concept. And I think one of the key components of that is leveraging, right? So, so what one player I, I, I watched today um, was Matthew Wood, uh, who I, I know Jordan is someone that we were talking about earlier on, like, like, like almost a year ago now, uh, when we were at that, that Peterborough game, we were talking about Matthew Wood and how the BCHL production might translate to the NCAA. And I, I'm just not seeing it with him. And off the air, we were talking about this as well, and, and my comparable for him is an Arthur Kaliev with a slightly weaker shot and worse off-puck movement in the offensive zone, which, what does that make him, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, but a big thing with Wood is that he's six foot three. He's, big, he's a big guy, but he is so upright in stance. He never gets leverage. He gets pushed down quite easily against far older competition than he's used to playing against, and yeah, like, like, are there any other examples from guys like that you've scattered this year that uh, are maybe like hyped to a certain extent, but uh, like also for their physicality, but who are being at leveraged? Yeah, uh, Daniil Boot for sure. Like, and, and you know what? I yeah. think I think there are people who I think there are players who 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 just don't play with uh, great leverage, and maybe they never will. But I, I do. I don't necessarily like holding like the really like the six foot four six foot five 17 year olds uh for some of the similar some of the reasons i mentioned earlier um they might not have always been as big i i remember so i'm a red wings fan so simon edmondson like he was i believe going into his draft year he was six foot three and now he's six he's just over six six right now and, and he's in his draft list too so it's you guys grow quick and everything and, and it might be difficult like think about uh Owen Pickering, uh, I think he was 5'8 when he was drafted in the WHL, and now he's like 6'5. Like, that's ridiculous. But yeah, Daniil Boots, uh, another guy. It's funny because when he gets going, he moves pretty well. He's not, he definitely doesn't get going very quickly. But I look at a guy, once he's going with his size, if he can play with leverage, like that will go a really long way. And, and, and he's, he's not there yet. And uh, it is frustrating. Watch, uh, I can't, was it Vladimir? Was it Grudinin? No. Grudinin. Yeah. Was it, was it Grudinin? Yeah. He's like he's like five, he's he's not laying. Yeah. He's tiny. He, he's 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 he's, he's very he's very small. Like, I, I mean I yeah I mean I, I ranked him seventeenth overall last year and he I'm pretty sure I remember him being like 157 yeah, pounds or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very he very slight. Daniel Boot right on his butt. Yeah. And it was and it like he didn't even flinch. It was just kind of like yeah oh yeah I'm just gonna crush this guy and he's. He, he he's nine inches taller than me and you know 60 pounds heavier and it, and it was it was difficult to see and with also with also also with boot is uh 
the the battles around the boards as well like he's like he he's your typical big man who plays small but uh i uh but there are a lot of things i really do like about his game like his he he his he is no like mhl goaltenders are no match for his shot he no. he can pick it he can score he actually has surprisingly good hands for some like he's actually pretty good in tight spaces sometimes uh you know, in, in, in single variable scenarios. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not from gonna, what I've seen is when, but yeah, when when there are at least like two defenders converging on him, it's almost like a deer in the headlights. But it's a one on one. That's where he his hands actually do excel because he doesn't actually panic in those situations. Exactly. Uh, I mean, Jordan, you, you know how I feel about Daniel Boot. Um, yeah. Which is not the most positive. Yeah. But but his shot is tremendous and. In, in a, an extremely strong draft class, his shot in a vacuum is top 10, which is exceptional considering yeah. the amount of shooting talent that there is in this class, going from uh, Bedard to Mitchkov to Fantilli to uh, Dalibor Dvorsky and yeah, Brayden Yeager, yeah. Edward Charlotte, um, even, even a guy like Colby Barlow, right? There's a lot of shooting, shooting skill in this draft class. And Daniil Boots' shot is a top 10 in the class. Yeah. And as much as many issues as I have with his overall game and and how I think it, it projects or doesn't project to the NHL, the shot is is undoubtedly a huge strength. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I also think that his motor is is I don't say it's good, uh, but it's it's not bad. Like it's 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 pretty fine. Um, like we were talking about Matthew Wood, and like Matthew yeah. Wood looks like a guy who's a little bit like got a little bit too comfortable playing against you know bchl players uh and there's not much of a motor there he, he no, really needs no, to work on stamina thing. and yeah and, and boot is definitely ahead of that but yeah that's kind of what i think on him i i know i'm higher on him than you are but i think I, i'm, I'm low, also I'm lower on i've him only clocked two viewings public. so far i only clocked two viewings right like like, like russia is not not my my area right like i'm, I'm starting sure. the ohl this year uh and it, it could also just be that unluckily i got two of his worst games right like oh. But the the people I know who have watched him, uh, you know, a decent amount, all seem to be people who have him lower than the people who I who I'm pretty sure haven't watched him at all. Um, yeah, yeah. There's still some because people the, who the have production him in the top fifteen. The production's uh, which, exceptional. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I think I, I yeah. I'm I'm kind of lower than the general public. Um, but I do see a player who, you know, will have to change a bit of the way he plays. But I do see a path to the NHL for sure. Interesting. And then maybe just quickly shifting away from Russia, we'll, we'll get back there later. Yeah. A player that I know we've both watched and quite appreciate is uh, David Reinbacher. Uh, yeah. Who yeah. is logging significant minutes in a very, very good professional league in Switzerland. Yeah, for sure. I, I think people... Uh, you know, people may not as tuned in. I think when they hear the the Swiss league, they think, "Oh, well, like Switzerland's a you know, it's 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 below you know Finland and Sweden and all that other stuff." No, no, the Swiss league is very it's, good. Um, it's better than 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 the Finnish liga for sure. Oh, no know. doubt, the Finnish liga is a pretty weak league. Uh, this you know why the Swiss league is so good is because they pay really really well, and yeah. uh, with that, you see way more Canadians and Americans playing in the Swiss league than you would like uh, somebody going to uh, you know the Finnish liga or something like that, right? So they, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a very strong league. Uh, they always, um, the Swiss teams, you know, obviously, so there's Champions Hockey League as well that goes on, similar to Champions League in soccer. 
Um, the Swedish teams always got, always end up, you know, being in the finals, but the Swiss teams are probably the, are probably their biggest competition outside of a couple, uh, Finnish teams. So he, as a draft eligible, he's a late Oh four. Um, he is logging the top pair minutes. He is playing like 20 minutes a game. His production is good. Um, he's big. I think he's six, two and he's nearing 200 pounds. He's he skates well. He moves well. He's he's strong. Uh, his passing is good. His shots okay. You know, his shots pretty good. Um, I don't like the way he carries the puck at all, especially out of his zone. I think he really gets deer in the headlights, and he starts to um, and, and he it's it's really difficult to watch actually. But uh, other than that, like I love the guy, and and uh, yeah, I've seen people rank him as high as like the top defenseman in the draft class. I'm not so sure I want to go yeah. there, but he's definitely a guy who. You know, a, a right shot defenseman who's six foot two, almost two hundred pounds, and moves well, and is logging a bunch of minutes and, and getting a lot of production in a very good league. That's definitely first round caliber for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like for me, he's probably a like a twenty two to thirty two range type of player. Where Thinner. like there's a lot of there's a lot of skill there. I, I I agree with you that it in transition his hands fail him because of just like the high speed of movement. Uh, That's what it is. Offensive zone. I really quite like uh, his deception. Uh, he he can really flash like a fake shot to get around a four checker very nicely in the offensive zone when he isn't moving at top speed. Uh, I've also really liked his shot selection. His actual shot isn't great, but he knows when to use it and he knows how to use it most effectively. He does not shoot to score. He shoots almost exclusively for rebounds, which is why he likes to shoot from the hash marks rather than from like straight head on uh, to try to get uh, a rebound to a, a teammate uh, driving like the, the back door. And it, he's a very calculated player. And like the, the skating is solid. It's not spectacular, but it's solid. Uh, he's, he's mobile in all four directions I've I've really enjoyed watching him this season, and again, like we, we see this every year, where the NHL overvalues Canadian and American players at the draft. Yeah, you, know, you always see uh, the European players just fall, whether it be due to lack of viewings or any type of of nationality bias. But when you see a player like Reinbacher per- perform as well as he has in the significant minutes he's played in. In, in Switzerland, that is something to, to keep an eye on. So I, I've, I, I've liked him quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, are there... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, and further to your point on, on the Europeans is um, it's definitely that. It, it's, it's, it's exposure bias. It's, it's, it's other stuff like that. And you always see this every year. You'll see a few European players who shoot up draft boards at the end. And a lot of people... You know, I, I, I think the average fan would think, Oh, is this somebody who performed really well at the end? Is this recency bias or whatever? No, it's not. It's usually not. Usually what it is, is it's the general scouting sphere getting caught up and actually getting their viewings of the player. Um, like I can think of, um, and I know a lot of people had Marco Casper in like the 25 to 30 range, but he shot up. To, and I, to be honest, I didn't think he was going to go eight, but no. I think that, um, I think that people were maybe just a little bit late to see him um in, in the year and you see that you you see I you know you see that every year there's always a couple of players who shoot up and just like well 
not necessarily that uh you know they they poured it on at the end it's just that you know they were they might have people might not have gotten to them until later on in the draft process yeah for sure and are there are there any other players that, that you've watched so far that are in pro leagues that you think that the public hasn't quite caught on to just yet that are perhaps i don't want to say hidden gems but but players who who should be on more boards so far yeah definitely so there is a russian player named uh timur mukhanov and he's with the omsk uh organization so he started out playing for omsky yastrubi which is their uh their mhl which is their junior league and i think he had like 15 points in 11 games or something like that and and it was, he was promoted to their vhl which is like their second tier it's kind of like their their, AHL. their ahl yeah yeah exactly um i'd say it's on par in terms of skill with like the echl maybe um but it's it's their version of the ahl um it's the k yeah the ahl of the khl basically and he is not very big uh he's 5'8 he's 170 pounds um he does look like a guy who can like he looks like he can be a like he can get pretty thick i think i i, I think if he grows to 5'9 he could be like a 5'9 185 pound guy like a pretty thick guy um he can he can fly he he can his skating is so good um he 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 glides around the ice so smooth but it's it's not necessary like it's it's fast and smooth like i i find a lot of guys who pour it on like like andreas athanasiu like i'll use him as an example um as you know being a red wings fan he's a red wings draft pick like that guy flies and he looks like he's flying like he's he's pouring everything into it and everything and it's it's there mukhanov is like um hypnotic in the way he moves and where it's it's very it's very smooth and then he's He's also like going really, really fast. So that's one thing about him. Uh, he he's put up, I think, like uh, you know, handful of points in his in his VHL games. And I've watched a few of his VHL games, and he didn't produce in those games. But his his production, like he's playing better than what his production is showing, and his size hasn't been an issue. And yes, I know it's the VHL, and I know it's not the most skilled league. But these are still grown men who are playing and, you know, they might be a 28 year old man who's fully developed and, you know, and they, they, they do similar workouts and stuff like that. Like they're still, you know, they're still um, strong as well. Maybe the skill and the speed and maybe the sense isn't there. And maybe that's why they're not playing in the KHL, but his size has not hindered him at all. So that was really impressive. I remember when I was first getting a buzz on him when he was in junior, I thought, oh man, this guy might be one of those guys who is such an exceptional junior player and just doesn't have what it takes. And then when he got the promotion, I was very intrigued because I said, you know, if he, if he can stick it out in the VHL and if he looks like he belongs and he, he's still a dangerous um, uh, offensive creator, then, then, then maybe, maybe there's a lot more to this and he's definitely looks great. I've only seen a, like, I, I, there's a few people I talked to about Russian prospects who, who do watch them uh they're pretty tuned in and they all have him in the late first early second i'm kind of in like the early second range maybe 40 45 um but the national scouts don't have this guy anywhere near um central scouting had him as a b grade which is a second or third round pick um but i haven't seen any other national scout even mention his name once so that's 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 kind of my guy who i think is playing in a pro league uh i have another non-russian player who i love um, and this started back in at the Flinka Gretzky 
and I was watching Sweden and I was watching Theo Lindstein. Um, and little did I know that I would actually spend more time watching his defensive partner on the right side, Axel Sandin Pelika. And he, he is great. And, and what's funny about Axel Sandin Pelika for those who have watched is he is a great skater. He's got great speed. He's, he's very fluid. His, um, I, you know, his great lateral mobility. He's got a, he's got a good shot. He's very offensively gifted. Um, like he, he, he scored a shootout goal a couple of days ago. It looked like something that, uh, you know, a really skilled forward uh, would do in the NHL. It was really nice. But what actually got me on uh, Sandy and Pelica when I watched him in the Linka was, it was, I think it was back-to-back, um, back-to-back shifts. He shut down a guy right at the blue line, you know, preventing his own uh, entry. And it was just played so perfectly. And I'm like, wow, this guy did it because he had great positioning. His, he was skating with this guy like stride for stride. And he ended up just, you know, edging him out into the boards and so oh, i gotta watch this guy and then all of a sudden he's he's over you know one and i think he's 1.3 points per game in the uh in the in the j20 league their junior league he's already getting a bunch of minutes now i think he's now logging over 10 minutes a game in the shl um and since Elias salomonson uh um uh, i believe he was a winnipeg draft pick last year since he, he was. went down uh when Sandy and Pelga plays in the SHL, he's not the seventh defenseman anymore. He's playing on the second pair. So he's, you know, he's 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 uh he's definitely getting more looks. Um his defensive game at the pro level is 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 not there yet. Um but the fact that he's still trusted to play 12 minutes, many of those at five on five, um, whether it's because of necessity due to injury is another thing but the fact that they're trusting him does show a lot and he's been like he he's the best player I, I think he's the best player in the j20 uh junior league right now when he's playing i'm trying to think of anybody who's better i'm not sure uh i also know like i i, I love him too and I'll, I'll i'll get i'll get to my take on on asp afterwards but i know that josh has also watched um, Axel Sandin Pelica, and you've been very impressed with him too. Yeah, I think he's great. I think the one thing that really has impressed me about his game, or more surprised, is just he's got that physical edge that you don't see in his in that kind of style of defenseman. You hear smooth skating, good in the offensive zone. You think of like Elaine Hudson, where it's, mm-hmm. but he can deliver a big hit he can time it well like of course he's not very good in his defensive zone right now but that's something that I think could be rectified but I really love that he could play offensively and he has that physical edge that's just it's just such a unique combination that's two really fun things to watch put together and it's just amazing to watch so far from what I've seen a couple of games of him it's been great yeah, he he he's laid a few guys out that I've seen. He yeah, he he's he he he's explosive in, in a lot of what he does and he translates that into his hits. Yeah, for sure. I like for me, I think like my first takeaway, uh, because I, I watched him for the first time just like I think about a week ago. And then I got in the second viewing a couple days ago. Um and 
he is just shot up my board. Like after the first viewing, I was like, oh, okay, he's a first round talent, cool. Uh, and I know that during our preliminary meeting at at, at Dauber, uh, the two players that we were really talking about as as like kind of off the board guys in the first round were uh, Sandy Pelica and Luca Pinelli. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and both of those are now very solidly inside my personal first round. Uh, I am going to fight tooth and nail and get Tonelli inside our top 25 on Sunday. Uh, and I'll, I, I'm going to fight to get Senny Pelica in the top 22. I, I, I adore both players, but, but what struck at me the most right off the bat was he has a very unique combination of, of not only like like the fluidity in his stride, his four-way mobility, his, he has like exceptional knee bend as well. Like, like, like his stride mechanics are one of the best in the, in the entire draft class, but he really does like, like link that in with a good motor, right? Like, like he, yeah. he puts in that effort as well, which is not something you see too often with that offensive oriented undersized, well, like good skating defenseman. It's, it's usually like a, Either you get this or you get that, especially for guys that, that you don't rank within the top 10. Uh, I think Tenny Pelica is going to be in my 10 to 15 range uh, once I finalize my board before Sunday. But he he's so much fun to watch. He's, he's probably one of the most fun players in the entire draft class because every movement he makes is mesmerizing. Every every play he makes is intelligent. Uh, with the puck, it, I'm thinking really offensively. He's very, very yeah. calculated. and creative and explosive as you were saying jordan right like yeah. he, he he's a lot of fun in transition he's a good delay game he, he uses uh, his teammates well he's not he's not selfish by any means and it's it, it's kind of like an ideal profile for this type of player which is uh why i'm I, i'm i'm becoming a really big fan as well yeah yeah he and because like like you said his his uh like his his bend and, and flexibility and everything is so good that and his mechanics are so great is that he's already got that. Whereas a lot of players, it's like, oh well, you need to brush up on that. You know, you need to correct this. And you need to you know get a little bit more flexible here, and you need to work on this, and, and your stride you know needs to be corrected a bit, and you also need to get bigger and stronger. Uh, yeah, he already has the you know the kind of the the mechanical parts, and when he gets stronger, he's already explosive. Like he's 17 years old. He's a he's a I think he's a May or March, April or May. So he's not like a super old player for this draft class. But when he becomes 20, when he's 21 years old, and he's had you know a few seasons, um, you know, in the SHL and in you know maybe he's a season in the AHL or he's in the NHL already, um, he will be he'll be that much more explosive than than he is right now, just because he will put on that on that strength. And speaking of of mobile creative defensemen, the only other defenseman I currently have in my top twelve, is, and who is a little bit higher up on my board than uh, Axel Sandin Pelika, is Mikhail Gulyayev. Yeah how how has he been in your viewings? Uh, because to me, he's been exceptionally mobile, very creative. The offensive ceiling is 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 very high with him. But what, what's your takeaway? Yeah, he's, he is, um, he, you know, Axel Sandin Pelican, he can move. I think Pelican is faster, or Sandin Pelican is faster. I think he's more explosive, but 
I think in our Dauber meeting, I think I compared him to a cornerback in football who has to mirror a wide receiver. And you have to have this, like, I, I think in my write-up, I said he has oily hips in the sense that, like, it's, and it sounds gross, but, like, it's... It's so smooth, huh? Yeah, he's so smooth. And his, his change of, like, he could, I think his change of directions and his, um, and, you know, like, his bend and his, and his, uh, and his flexibility are so good that he doesn't slow down much when he's like changing directions. Like it's, it's, it's really, really good. I think that he's a better passer and a better lateral mover than uh, Axel Sandin Pelica. Uh, I don't think his shot is as good as Sandin Pelica's uh, and, um, and straight line speed isn't, isn't as good, but he's an excellent skater in his own right. Um, and also another guy who isn't uh, like, you know, Josh, you mentioned, you know, Sandin Pelica is not, is not afraid to lay guys out. Um, I've seen Guliaev like really get aggressive in 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 some of my viewings. Um, maybe not necessarily at the KHL level because he would get clobbered by some guys because he he's he is smaller. But in junior viewings, he is he he does have a great motor and he 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 does have some uh, some grit and some uh, some jam to him. I I would say right now for him is I kind of wish that. I get frustrated watching the Russian, watching some Russian prospects because I don't feel the clubs do the greatest job at putting the the players in the positions to really succeed. He's way too good for the MHL. He was he set a record for two points uh, a game, right? Point, yeah, points per game or points, uh, yeah, total points for a D minus one. It wasn't even close. I think he beat it by like thirty percent. Um, he's he's got nine points in three. Uh, MHL games, I believe. Oh my god! He's played a lot in the KHL, but he's been playing very like limited minutes, seventh defenseman stuff. And he, it's okay. It, like, it, it, like he doesn't have to play in the KHL. I don't know why they don't just have him as a fixture in the VHL uh, there, like they have with Mikhanov. Uh, I think if he played there, he would be a guy who is your power play one quarterback he is on your he's in your top four you know d um the size like he's still able to you know compete physically because i think that the thing is in 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 the khl and the games i've watched is he 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 thinks well he knows he's doing and everything um uh he's just he's just not there yet um i i had him at 12 um on my board prior to the season I think he's probably in the. I, I have him right neck and neck with Axel Sandin Pelica, who I'd probably have in like 15 to 18, 15 to 16 or so. So maybe he's dropped a little bit, but he's an excellent prospect. Interesting, because um, I also have both both players right in the same range. Uh, like currently, I have a I have a tier that stretches from seven to uh, twelve. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Gavin Brindley. Uh, don't get me started on Gavin Brindley. I could talk about that guy for uh, for ages. Yeah. Uh, Edward Schala, um, yeah. Mikhail Gulyayev at nine, Axel Sandin Pelika at ten, Callum Ritchie at eleven, and Braden Yeager at twelve. Yeah, and when I say my ranges, I don't necessarily mean like oh, if I say fifteen or sixteen, that I I can definitely definitively name fourteen players who I'd have over him. I just look no at exactly. That. I, I look at a thing and say I would be comfortable using the fifteenth pick on him if you know, uh, barring like some complete catastrophe where like a you know Matt Vimichkov fell to fifteen, which he won't. But 
but uh yeah that's kind of my thing but uh, you know but as you go down you start to realize like hey maybe there's not as many people or as many prospects who are actually above this guy and therefore he you know just by process elimination he's now the 12th best prospect then i would look at okay well you know yeah maybe that is who he is but yeah right yeah that's just kind of my my logic on all this like for me it's in in my experience this year it's been kind of the opposite effect of that of of uh, I I almost underestimated the quality of the draft class, like already knowing it was gonna be very very strong. But yeah, I I, I had I had like I Callum Ritchie, who I also did I have cooled on him a little bit over the past month, um, just with with with, with how his plays evolved over the last like month or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's not that he's falling because of his play necessarily. It's just guys are just edging him out for me, right? Where it's just, I just yeah. see better combinations of skill and deception and, and, and motor and intelligence. Uh, like Gavin Brindley is not a guy that I was even really on my radar in September. Right. Like I, I wasn't, I, I was focused solely on OHL got to that point. So I was like, Oh, okay. So um, I, I would fight for, for Richie at like seventh overall. Whereas now that I've watched Gavin Brindley, I'm like, I'm, I'm picking Brindley ahead of, ahead of Callum Richie without much hesitation uh but yeah it's a little bit interesting to see how that that's evolved the more i've watched outside of 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 my area of like yeah. dauber scouting right because like my, my job is solely the ohl but the more i've watched from everywhere else the kind of weaker i found the ohl draft class like at the beginning of the year in our first meeting we had callum ritchie and and cam allen at 9 and 10 overall right oh, we, for sure yeah yeah we, uh, you would like, never I, you'd never have cam allen anywhere near that at this point no like, i i, I, I don't I I I don't want Cam Allen in the first round, and I am also skeptical of having Colby Barlow in the first round. And he he's dominant in terms of production in the OHL, but I just I'm, I'm not I'm seeing a Josh Anderson type player, right? Like I, it's it's been interesting just just to see how like um how, how it's progressed over the season to see like the guys that I've been scouting a lot more than everyone else just kind of steadily falling down my board, except with, with the notable exception of Luca Pinelli. Uh, yeah. Luca Pinelli, um, ha- have you have you gotten an opportunity to watch him a few times? Uh, I've only ever watched him at games I've gone to uh, in person. He's he was I, I went to I went to the game where Tyler Boucher uh, gave the, the poor kid from the Sioux the uh, a seizure. I, I, that was I was happy scary. I missed that one. I was, was I was happy I missed that. I, that game. I was I was like sweating when i was watching that because it would happen yeah. uh it happened uh on the sideboards right in front of me so you can't see like yeah, anyways no. it, was, it was very scary though the players are freaking out but so i was i was at that game oh Pinelli was he was the best player on the ice that game and um and that's a and that's a very good ottawa team that also has guys who have been drafted you know it's got Tyler boucher it's got uh roar it's got uh you know Matier, it's got uh um, um, drawing a blank on a couple other guys, but it's got a lot of like really, really good players. And to have a draft eligible be the best player on the ice is 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 pretty amazing. Like Bryce McConnell Barker was on that uh, on the ice for the Sioux. Um, there are way different players. Not, yes, they're way different players. But Pinelli was so good that game. His it's it's funny they have him like as a trigger man sometimes on their power play. right yeah. it's, it's 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 very strange okay. utilization you know, he, he was doing it, it worked well, like, but... like he's yeah I, I i completely agree like his power play utilization like I, i'm critical of it but ottawa's power play 
at least as of like two or three weeks ago was running at 38 percent. so it's like can you really yeah. criticize it not really, really. It's yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's working but he's such a talented playmaker and and using him as like almost like like an ovechkin but from the from the right circle yeah without like having him involved in puck movement it's such an odd decision when he's by far the most intelligent player on that team, which is the best team in the entire OHL. Yeah. But also such a skilled playmaker. And yeah, it's definitely been interesting, but, but I think one thing that I've really enjoyed watching this year has just been seeing his chemistry with uh, Vincent's roar uh, continue to improve. They, 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 they are getting, they've played basically every single five on five shift this season together. Uh, which has meant that Roar that that, that, that Pinelli has been playing on the wing. I still think he, he does project as a center, uh, but he he is he has only exclusively played wing this season. So yep. that might contribute to him not being ranked as highly by other people due to the position. But he is so intelligent, and the more I watch, the more he catches up to Callum Ritchie. Like right now, I have I, I have him closer to to Callum Ritchie than the next best OHL talent behind Pinelli. I, I think those are the, are the top two OHL guys. Um, but it's, it's been so much, it's been a real pleasure to be able to watch him like four or five times a month live this season. Like I, I, I've been going to a lot of games and uh, yeah. it's been every time I go, not only do I get to, do I get to see a fun Habs prospect and Vincent's roar, whose progression has been incredible. Like I, I was not very high on roar last season. Uh, but he, he progressed so well in the offseason and he's completely trans he's transformed his game now he's far more projectable he's he's added layers of dynamism and uh skill that weren't really apparent last year uh while also being far more comfortable as a center last season he was used as a center but it, it kind of looked like, like they're shoehorning him into that position but this year, like, like there, there's a reason that Pinelli is on that is on the wing on that line, and it's not because Pinelli is a bad center. It's just because Vincent's Roar has has really taken the position of center by the horns, and just it's, it's, he's made it his own. Uh, but yeah, Pinelli's Pinelli has been been awesome. Uh, are there any other North American guys that, that that you've gotten a chance to to watch, or have you really exclusively been scouting? I've been your... almost exclusively um, uh, European players. I'm just trying to think. Um, yeah, like I like Denver. Yeah, no, I no. I mean, I, yeah, I've like, had very limited viewings of European guys, right? So, uh, okay. So, what else did I want to? Can I ask of? a quick yeah, question? Please. Yeah, Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just more of a general question because, like, as you said, so many people are unfamiliar with the European game and how all the leagues and everything just. Where do you suggest beginning if you're yeah. trying to get into it, and especially European scouting? For sure. So I'm glad you asked that question. It's um, it's a little difficult at first, and it's a little overwhelming, especially like the first thing is is that the games are on when you're waking up, especially the Russian games. Like they're they're uh, the MHL will play at um, you know the equivalent of like 6 a.m. Eastern time uh, during the week. And it's, you know, but, so but they are on YouTube. They, yes, those they games are on YouTube, on YouTube, which is great. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. They are on YouTube. Um, um, another thing actually that the, the Russian leagues have done um, to get, I think more viewership is that uh, the names on the back of the jerseys are in English and not in acrylic. Uh, so you can, you know, you can find a player better. 
Um, but yeah, it, it, it's difficult at first because, you know, you can go on to, you know, Twitter and follow a few people. And, you know, as long as you're following a, a few, you know, prominent people, whether it's guys from Dobbert or EP or, or the Tony Ferraris, Will Scouches or Pronmans and Wheelers of the World and everything and, and uh, uh, Chris Peters and all that, you're going to get a good vibe on, on a lot of the North American players. Then you'll be able to, you know, kind of say, oh, yeah, I know that, you know, this guy plays for that team and everything. There's a lot fewer people, um, you know, kind of in, in the in that Twitter verse who are watching European prospects. And then there's also, you know, fewer when you go to, to Russia as well. But what I would, I guess I, I kind of want to explain a little bit about Russian hockey and, and, and their system is uh, there are not a lot different in terms of the structure of the actual leagues themselves compared to Sweden. Like Sweden has the Swedish Hockey League, which is, you know, their NHL as the Hockey Elsvenskan, which is their like AHL. Uh, and then they have the GA20 National, which is their junior league. Russia has the KHL, which is their pro league, their top pro league. They have the VHL, which is their second tier pro league, and they have their MHL, which is their uh, their junior league. So that's pretty that's pretty comparable. Um, the thing is, is that Russia is a huge country, um, and there's so many teams in each of those leagues, and unfortunately, because it's you know like you look at the CHL and you know the OHL, WHL, QMJHL, and there's a draft. So because of that, the parity is always, you know, pretty good. You know, hey, you have a couple of good drafts. You, you know, you go on a run, you, you trade some draft picks, get some players and you make, you compete, you try to go for a Memorial Cup and then you rebuild and you might suck for a couple of years and you build it up, right? Well, in Russia, there's a few powerhouses which have all the money and they, they're running the show, you know, year in and year out. They might not necessarily win it, uh, but their teams are always competitive. They're, they're, they're able to, you know, if you get a really good player, I'm thinking about, uh, uh, Alexander Nikishin, who, who's a, uh, Carolina hurricanes defensive prospect. And he was traded for like six guys in, in the off season. Like, and he went to, uh, uh SKA or I could say SKA, uh, St. Petersburg, which is like the, the kind of the big club, uh, in, in Russia, you have it, like Russian hockey is dominated by a lot of the big clubs. There's CSKA Moscow. Uh, Sergey Fedorov is the head coach of that. Uh, there's uh, Scott St. Petersburg. Uh, there's uh, Lokomotiv Yaroslavl. That's another big, um, you know, club. There's the Omsk, uh, Avangard Omsk organization. That's another big one. Uh, there's Torpedo. Uh, there is uh, Dynamo Moscow, which is where uh, Ovechkin played. Um, you know, there's, and I'm probably missing a couple more. Oh, there, and then there's uh, Magnitogorsk. Uh, as well, like Daniil Yurov was, you know, that's where he's from. So you have a lot of these these teams there. And it, it, it's funny, what's different about Russia compared to any other league is that um, some teams have multiple junior teams in the same league. Like, could you imagine if there was like a three Kitchener Rangers franchises? Like, it'd be so weird, right? And their players can change from one team to another. So... St. Petersburg has three teams in the MHL. They have, uh, you know, uh, SKA 1946 St. Petersburg. That's like their good team. And then they have, uh, they have, oh, SKA uh, Variagi. Uh, and then they have SKA uh, uh, Karelia. 
and those other two teams are terrible. Like they're not very good at all. However, if you're like a 16 year old, a D minus one player, and you're not good enough to play for the big team, you might start there as a D minus one and then your draft year come up. So anyways, that's kind of it. Um, so yeah, I guess what I recommend to people is, is you do have to find a few people who are really connected in terms of not just like about who they know, but like in connected in terms of, Hey, they, uh, they might know a bit about the league. Um, they're good resources. You know, there's a lot of people who always who 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 clip uh, you know gifts of different players and, and who 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 might follow certain clubs, and you kind of get to know about all the stuff there. And then what I did actually, I just I looked at the map of Russia and I looked at where all the different clubs were, and I realized like, you know, obviously because of Siberia being in the, you know in the middle and you know uninhabited pretty much, that. You know, eighty percent of the clubs are in the are in the west side, and then there's a few that are far in the in the east side. And then you start to look at you know the different cities they're in, and, you start, and then you start to see the power divides. Um, you know, just in terms of money and everything. And uh, yeah, you kind of go from there. Um, because there's so many teams, and because there is a lot of you know money, I think that that kind of controls some of the the clubs. Is that their junior league, although has some really good teams and really good players. There are some there are some really horrible teams in the, in the MHL. Like I think their MHL has thirty three teams, and you would have like you could have a team that would be like you know could contend for like a more a Memorial Cup, and then you could have a team that would probably finish dead last in the AJHL. Like that's the that's the difference uh, in in the parity. And uh, I know I'm going long on this, but that is one thing to consider. So you can say like I I've watched a prospect where he's been playing against a really, really lousy team and he just looks like he can do anything. And it's like, well, he's going up against a guy who probably won't even play in the VHL ever in his life. And who might, you know, once they turn 18, they might go off to college or university and stuff like that. And they might never play or, you know, they might never play hockey again once they age out of junior, I guess. Right. So that is one thing you need to consider there. Awesome. And I think on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode, but uh, we're going to have a part two uh, that'll come out in a few days with uh, with Jordan. So definitely stay t- stay tuned for that. Boys chase girls going 30 mile an hour. Circle up at the-